Emerald podcast series. Research that makes a difference. Welcome to the Emerald podcast series. In this series, we speak to experts from around the globe using research to create real impact. In each episode, we explore the role of research within the context of the environmental, economic, social and political challenges facing our society and look at the ways in which research, policy and practice interact to affect communities around the world. We're your hosts. I'm Daniel Ridge. I'm Helen Bedo, and we are publishers at Emerald Publishing. In this episode, we will be discussing the purpose-driven university. We tend to think that the role of universities is to educate students and to support faculty in their research. However, this narrow focus has led universities to be perceived as ivory towers detached from real-world issues. But in the last few decades, with organizations shifting their focus to purpose, responsibility, and sustainability, many have come to realize that universities can be a force for good, that they can intentionally contribute to the communities and the environment they are part of. Joining me today is Debbie Haskey-Leventhal. My name is Debbie Haskey-Leventhal. I'm a professor of management at Macquarie Business School, Sydney, Australia. Debbie is an expert on corporate social responsibility, responsible management education, and volunteerism. She's the editor-in-chief of the Society and Business Review and the author of several books, including The Purpose-Driven University. Debbie is also a TED speaker who regularly speaks on purpose, social responsibility, and the future of higher education. I'm so happy to have you today, Debbie. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Absolute pleasure. In your new book, The Purpose-Driven University, you write that purpose is the new black. What do you mean by that? It seems like purpose is becoming ever so popular with new books, TED Talks, um, conversations about it. And it's, I think it's mainly generated by the new generations coming to um, take positions in business and in academia, Generation X, Generation Y, which are more purpose-driven than previous generations. So does research shows us. So it's quite important now for businesses to engage people and for other institutions to engage people by having a shared sense of purpose thus creating meaningfulness and impact through the organization and via the organization. And so that's becoming a really important conversation in the business world and outside the business world. And so the whole idea of purpose, if you like, is the reason for which something exists. So if I have a a phone, the reason for which the, the phone exists is so we can communicate. The reason for which a lamp exists is so it could shed light. The reason for which we exist is a little bit more tricky. So a lot of people are asking themselves, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? And so it's becoming a really important conversation for individuals and organizations. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I'm tying purpose to impact. So when I talk about purpose, I don't just talk about what it is that we do with our lives and so on, but we look at it through the lens of impact. How can we use who we are, what we know, and what we stand for, either as a person or as an organization, to benefit others? And that's the impact purpose that can provide a sense of meaningfulness. Well, most of us are familiar with social responsibility, which is part of the same conversation being discussed in the context of corporations. How is this similar or different for universities? So my recent book, The Purpose-Driven University, is looking at how we can implement ideas around purpose and even spiritual intelligence in an academic institution. 
I've been studying volunteering, which is the pro-social behavior of individuals, and corporate social responsibility, which is the pro-social behavior of organizations, for many years now. And it struck me about two or three years ago that we don't see as many examples of universities that are led by purpose, and their vision is about creating impact. And so I've tried to write in my book sort of a guideline, a blueprint to how universities can implement everything we know about sustainability, responsibility, and so on in an academic institution, which is where I work and the context of my life as well. Well, so what then does a purpose-driven university look like? Mm, Great question. (laughs) So looking at the idea of purpose and impact purpose, I've tried to define a purpose-driven university, which utilizes all its resources, people, intellect, and so on, to generate a positive social impact on the environment and the communities in which they operate uh, through their teaching, research, and service. So everything that we do as academic institutions can be leveraged to create a positive global impact and help other institutions to address the global issues that we currently face as humanity from climate change to COVID-19. If we are to utilize all these resources, everything that our universities know and do in order to address these issues, there is no limit to what can be achieved. Right. You talked then about a holistic social responsibility. Is that part of what you're talking about here, volunteering, community giving? I think it's more than that. So I always talk about holistic approach, both in CSR and in a purpose-driven university. It's more than giving money to donations or even volunteering. It's more than corporate philanthropy. It's even more than student projects. It's about how we embed our purpose in everything that we do, in our vision, in our mission statements, in our actions, our identity, our behavior, everything is impacted by our desire to create a positive impact on society and the community and to leverage everything that we have in order to do that. You mentioned uh, mission statements. I I find mission statements with universities and high schools interesting because a lot of them just offer platitudes about excellence and integrity. But you point out that a university's mission statement needs to be significant. Why is that so important? That's a really good question. And when we talk about mission statements, they need to be genuine and holistic. Research shows us that about 70% of mission statements include the word integrity, which is a little bit funny because if it's about who we are and alignment between the self and you know the identity and, and the behavior, it's a little bit odd that everyone copies it. And so we saw that even with Enron, companies that had wonderful values written on their website, such as integrity and honesty. But then when it comes to action, the action speaks much louder than these words. And so for universities to have a strong mission statement, we need to move away from these big words and really use a meaningful statement that's aligned with who we are as an institution. And I've seen that. We've actually looked at the top 
100 mission statements of universities all around the world. And we found that some of them are really inspirational, where others are just using these kinds of words of integrity and excellence. I think that was the top word, excellence, in universities' mission statements, as if there is any university around the world that doesn't want to be excellent. And so looking at more inspirational examples of genuine and holistic uh, mission statements, I, I remember Stanford University, which was about promoting the public welfare by influencing uh, or exercising influence on behalf of humanity and civilization. The University of Technology in Sydney talks about how it's a public institution, a public organization, and that it wants to be defined by the global impact that it creates and by providing support for the economic, social, and cultural prosperity of our communities. And so these universities are really trying to have a vision about how they can help to for lack of a better word, make the world a better place, and how they do that by leveraging who they are as an institution, their history, their vision, their people, their research areas, and so on. Well, in all your research, which universities stuck out to you the most and why? There were a few that really inspired me. And of course, there are many others, but a few that really spoke volume to what a purpose-driven university can look like. And I've, I've actually mentioned two of them right now with the mission statement. So Stanford University is utilizing their research capacity, their experiential learning together with their desire to create a positive impact. And they're doing some amazing things. Even spring break for students are about influencing the community. So students go out and work with local communities and and even um, in more distant places to really make a difference. UTS has started an institution for social justice and impact, and everything is aligned with that. They are giving grants for academics to create social impact. Uh, There are many other universities that leverage everything from their people to their intellect, their even their physical campuses to work with the most vulnerable people in our society. So refugees, people struggling with poverty and homelessness, and all of that while also promoting research and teaching. It doesn't have to come at, at any cost to, to the research and the teaching that we do. But in fact, it helps enhance that because a strong purpose can engage people and create a sense of affiliation with the university, which then translates to better performance. And in academic institutions, that usually translates to better research and teaching. So essentially, universities need to be asking themselves the why. What are they about? What are they doing? Um, What happens when they don't ask this question? Because apparently they don't. There are universities that are working on this model of just teaching, research, getting up in the rankings. What are the consequences of universities that aren't asking themselves these questions? I think it's the most important question to ask. And if we look only at what we do and how we do it, what we teach, what do we research, how many articles do we have, how many citations do we have, instead of asking ourselves, what is our why? Why do we do what we do? Why does it all matter? Why should anyone care? And that's the most important question. What is the why of our university? Why do we exist? There are are 10,000 universities around the world. Do we really need another one? 
Or what is our unique impact purpose that can define us, connect us, and help us create a better impact? And if we don't ask ourselves the questions of why, then we get low staff engagement. We are not able to attract students, especially as I've mentioned, Generation Z and Generation Y students. They are really looking to work in and study at universities that are driven by purpose. And so by having a strong enough why, knowing why we do what we do and not just what we do and how we do it is essential for our university to become a destination of choice for purpose-driven people. And these are the ones who are intrinsically motivated to perform well. They have the passion to create not just great research and teaching, but also a genuine impact. And that's what universities should want. So some are doing that already. I wouldn't say that none, (laughs) no university in the world is looking at their why, but we need a lot more work around finding our why and working according to our why. It's interesting that you point out the generational shift with millennials and Generation Z. So what is this saying about how this is going to transform universities, but even going beyond the university into society as this generation grows older and goes through education and out into the world? You know, I've done this research with the United Nations Principles for Responsible Management Education, PRIME. And for the last decade, we've run surveys with business students all around the world. And we have asked them many questions. (laughs) But the last question was, how much would you be willing to sacrifice of your future salary to work for an employer that, one, cares about employees, two, cares about the environment, three, cares about communities, and four, cares about stakeholders, and then five, was cares about all of the above. And so I've put the table with the percentages, and in the end of this table, I put 40% and over. And I thought, no, no one is going to select that option. But I just put it so I can have a nice uh, bell curve and I can show that it's low in the beginning, it's low in the end. But I was pretty shocked when the results came in. And this is not just once, but four times. Four times students told us that 95% of them would be willing to sacrifice some level of their salary. And one in five students was willing to sacrifice over 40% of their salary to work for an employer that presents a holistic approach to CSR, the one that ticks all of the boxes. And that's a really strong signal that our students sending us as their educational institutions, but also their future employers. And so for me, as a person working in a university, I can see that it's so important to students. They're so committed, these millennials and generations that are so committed to responsibility and sustainability that they're willing to sacrifice their salary to be in such an environment. What are we willing to sacrifice to help them live a more purpose-driven life? We are, as their educators, seem to be more focused on their future incomes rather than on their ability to make a difference. We look so much at how much our graduates make instead of the difference that they can make, that we're not serving their needs. They're telling us very clearly that they need 
to live by a strong purpose. And if we're not delivering that, then they're going to be looking for education and work elsewhere. I think that's really remarkable. I noticed early on in my academic career that universities often look at students as consumers, that they're purchasing the product, that they're generating revenue for the university. Is this a healthy way to look at students? I don't think it's a healthy way to look at students, nor is it a healthy way to look at consumers. We shouldn't look at people as walking wallets, as an income source, instead of seeing them for the humanity which they have and their needs and their ability to to do something with their lives. And so because there is so much emphasis around profits and ranking and the graduate's income and our income, we miss the point. We miss the, the center or the core of what we need to be doing. And I'm not saying that universities shouldn't be caring about their students' fees or their income. I know it's important. And I know, it's like we see that now with COVID-19, universities cannot operate without that. But it's not why we exist. It reminds me of this famous quote by Peter Drucker, who said, Profits for a business is like oxygen for a person. If you don't have enough of it, you're out of the game. But if you think your life is about breathing, you're obviously missing something. We need the profits. We need the income. And the our graduates need to have a job. So employability is important. And they need to make money. But it's not why we exist, not as individuals, not as organizations, not as universities. And if we're not able to articulate with our vision, with our mission statement, why it is that we exist, then we're not going to be able to appeal to those students. That's why we have such low levels of engagement among students and academic staff. There was a a Gallup survey from 2017 that showed that only 34 percent of university faculty and staff felt engaged with their jobs. I was shocked when I saw that number because I thought, you know, we have all this theory that tells us that if we give people autonomy, competence, and relatedness, they'll be very happy at their jobs. And they're not. So what is wrong? What is wrong is we are lacking purpose. We have too much focus on ranking and income and too little on purpose and the why that is really the fuel of the car that we are driving. So how do universities get faculty engaged? It's important for university to rediscover their purpose. I'm not saying define their purpose, but rediscover their purpose. A lot of these institutions used to have a strong purpose even when they were founded. They were founded with a vision, but oftentimes we almost like shift away from the original vision, even the word university, which is I writing this book, I thought, why, why do we call that university? And what does it have to do with the word universe? I'm often really fascinated by the origin of words. And so I looked into it and the universe is a whole, right? It's the whole universe. And a university was supposed to be a whole community of scholars working together to enhance knowledge and also benefit society. But we've really shifted away from that original vision. And so universities need to work with their staff, with their students, with their stakeholders to rediscover what is their purpose and then embed it in everything that they do, live by it, and finally share an amazing story of impact and engagement. Well, going back to the students, then how can universities involve them in purpose and impact? 
if we're not going to do it, students are going to show us the way. And there already are. There's so many student bodies and organizations that are aimed at increasing our academic institution sustainability, our responsibility. Many um, students' organizations are working very hard to green our campuses. And so they're already starting this movement bottom-up. We don't need to do that much. We just need to open our doors, open our hearts, open our ears, and let them help us to do that. I don't think a purpose-driven university can be something that's done top-down. You cannot force a purpose on other people. You've got to create it in a or through a collaboration and in a joint effort to really make it everyone's purpose. And so you've got to have the students, you've got to have the academic and professional staff, you've got to have the industry which you collaborate with, the governments and so on, working together to address the issues of purpose and impact in each institution. And it's, it's doable, but it takes a lot of time and effort, sometimes even other resources. And I know that a lot of universities are trying to find a shortcut So they will hire a consultancy um, agency, someone who could help them come up with a really nice slogan and define their purpose. But it's done inside out and top down. And it's not the way you can do that. If you want to define and rediscover your purpose, you need to create genuine platforms where people can share and work on the purpose of the university. So if it's collaborative, between the students, the university, the instructors, what would purpose-driven teaching look like? Great question. (laughs) And I think teaching, research, service, each one of these provides university with an opportunity to be more meaningful, purposeful, and impactful. And so for us, it's about teaching philosophy that looks at why we teach For the purpose of this book, I actually went and looked at some universities and their teaching philosophies. And so I remember one of very famous university that tells their academic staff that if you want to be promoted, you need to explain what your teaching philosophy is, which is great. But then it goes on to explain the teaching philosophy looks at how I teach, which methods I use, and why do I use these methods. This is all about questioning the what and the how, not the why. Why do I walk into a classroom fully with students and try to share knowledge with them? What is the role of the professor in the classroom? Is it an all-knowledgeable person that's just standing in front of hundreds of students showing them how smart we are? Or is it about enabling a space of shared learning where everyone can bring their own passion and enthusiasm into the classroom. So we have to exercise more of our teaching philosophies as individuals. We all need to ask ourselves, why do we teach? We don't get to do that often enough. And then as a university, we need to ask ourselves, why do we teach? Do we just teach so we can have a lot of students sitting on the chairs and uh, generate income? Or do we teach because we want to inspire the next generation of students to um, create a more sustainable environment? That's a huge difference between teaching just for the sake of creating graduate attributes and generating tuition fees 
to creating an inspiring teaching, one that engages not only the students, but those who teach as well. Right. So I find it kind of funny how that same aspect of teaching and research can become very generic and driven by reaching certain goals and statistics within a university. But what I've also noticed is that service is a very generic term within the academic community. Mm. Is there a way that universities can use this term service in a more effective way that makes it more purpose-driven? Absolutely. These two terms have been misused. So firstly, when you look into research impact, most universities are defined by the number of citations that you have on your articles and how good the journals in which you publish are. That's not research impact. This may be some output, but it's not research impact unless we define research impact in terms of the changes we make to people's lives because of our research. Then we cannot really talk about research impact. Similarly, service, which is about serving others, it's about benefiting society, benefiting our stakeholders, seems to be more about ourselves as as academic institutions. And so many times service is about how many committees do you sit in and how many reports have you written for the institution instead of looking at how can we serve the community. And I think that impactful research and impactful service would look very different to what they look today in many universities. Well, what about leadership inside the universities? What does effective leadership in a purpose-driven university look like? Looking at many academic leaders, in even in the leading universities around the world, I see people who are so focused on themselves and their success and what they have achieved and why they're entitled to have this role in the university, using that to show their accomplishments, their power, their status, instead of using this amazing power that you have to create a social impact. And I think that's such a missed opportunity. Power is not just a privilege. It's also a responsibility. And so I'm inspired by university leaders that really look at the university that they lead as an opportunity to create an impact beyond delivering diplomas and creating research, which may or may not be cited. And so these are leaders who are looking at their role as almost like servants. How can we serve our institution? And how can we serve society based on our role and our on the power that it gives us? And so I would say that an inspirational university leader is more responsible, sustainable, impactful, and purpose-driven in a way that creates a ripple effect among people, staff, students, the community, and really thinking about how I can use my voice and use the power that I have to become a force for good in the world. Well, in discussing leadership, we often look to one single person, but you discuss the importance of shared leadership. Why is this important in the context of higher education? It's really significant because, as I said before, purpose cannot be forced top-down. It has to be shared by everyone. And so if we are to become a more purpose-driven university, we really need to start practice 
shared leadership. As universities, we're really privileged in, in the kind of people that we hire and the intellect that they bring with them. The fact that we're not using that amazing intellect to help us achieve our purpose and help us achieve more global goals, such as, for example, and we may speak about that later, the sustainable development goals, is a waste of opportunity. It's a waste of power. It's a waste of voice. It's a waste of intellect. And we could really share leadership in a sense that we enable everyone in the organization, inside and outside the organization, to become change agents and to really help us recruit others in a way that we can discover our goal, our vision, and to work together towards it. Well, most of us are familiar with IQ and EQ, um, emotional intelligence, but what is SQ and why do you think it's important to leadership? SQ is spiritual intelligence, and it was only developed in recent years. And for a long time, I was not sure exactly what it meant. I thought, okay, maybe spirituality, a little bit of kumbaya, some religion. I was not really sure what it meant. But when I started diving more into it, I realized that's a, a really fantastic concept, which can be utilized also in the context of the purpose-driven university. So spiritual intelligence, for me, the easiest way to capture it is that it's the opposite of materialism and ego. We are not just about what we buy and how much we make. We're not just about ourselves. Spiritual intelligence is the awareness that people have of themselves, so they know themselves really well, but also awareness of others. They understand with compassion what is happening around them in the world. They don't ignore the reality of others. And then they use their sense of connectedness to others to jointly work towards a shared vision of what we can do to be part of a bigger picture, which is also a really important part of spiritual intelligence. This awareness of it's not all about me. I'm part of something bigger than myself, and I can work with others through compassion and awareness to achieve uh, something that's bigger than myself. So in your research, did you encounter individuals like this? I've encountered conscious leaders and spiritual leaders, uh, ones that use their spiritual intelligence either in business or in politics or in academia. I've recently seen uh, Jacinda Ardern, the PM, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, um, and she's an amazing example of someone who leads with empathy, really high levels of EQ, and very high levels of SQ. And she says, I'm not going to be accused of being weak just because I have compassion and empathy. Uh, she's often addressing her role with humbleness and modesty, because it's not about her ego, it's about her trying to serve others in the best way possible. And I think now with COVID-19, it's an interesting litmus test to um, leadership around the world. We can almost draw a line between leaders who are conscious and humble and the way that they help to address these issues Whereas in other countries where the leaders are not so much um, a great example of spirituality and connectedness and empathy and compassion, that we, we see a huge outbreak of COVID-19. So even in the politics, we can see examples of, of leaders who work with 
consciousness and spirituality in order to serve others. And we see that in business as well. You can think of many examples like Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield who started Ben & Jerry's. And they said, uh, we are a company with a, with a social mission. We just happened to make ice cream. Paul Pullman, who completely changed Unilever with his uh, sustainable living plan. Yvonne Chinard, who started Patagonia just to address sustainability issues. Um, and in academia, we have leaders like Amy Gutman from the University of Pennsylvania, who leads the university with compassion and vision for a better society and many others. Well, then does leadership in corporations differ from leadership in universities in terms of being purpose-driven? You know what? I think not so much. I think that conscious leaders are going to be doing well in most contexts. I think it's not so much about the business. It's not so much about even the industry type or um, if it's about a university or about a business. It's about having these wonderful um, features as a leader that can help you connect to others in any kind of institutions, in any kind of organizations. Yes, there are differences, of course. Leading a university is not the same as leading businesses, although it seems like in the last two decades, more and more university became more and more of a business-like thinker. And it's funny because when I recently looked at the top search results in Google on universities are, some of the um, results where universities are scam and they are business, they are corporations. So a lot of people who are looking um, at universities do think that we operate like businesses. I think it's time for university leadership to actually shift away from that, showing that universities can operate by different values for a different vision and not become so much of a business, but rather education institutions that's about enhancing the well-being of the students that come through our doors and the communities in which we operate. Well, in the last few months, universities have had to quickly react to COVID-19 and shutting their doors to students. And now as we go into the next school year, universities are having to adapt to online teaching or deciding whether to go back into the classroom. How can a purpose-driven university help address these issues surrounding COVID-19? You know, it was Nietzsche who said, when you have a strong enough why, you can endure any what. And I think now more than ever, we need to have a really strong purpose as a university to be, to be able to engage our staff through these difficult times. It's not easy to shift all your teaching online. For a lot of professors and lecturers, it's very tough, not just technically, but mentally as well. A lot of people are um, missing the personal touch, the face-to-face -face interactions with students, and it's going to affect people, not all of them in a good way. And so if we, that's the time now to rediscover our purpose and articulate it in a way that could really give people sort of a beacon of light of where, why we're doing all of this, where are we going with this? And if you know your why, it doesn't matter if you teach online or if you teach face-to-face. -face. It really is about teaching for this purpose. And so maybe some universities think this is not the time now to talk about purpose. We need to survive. We just need to you know, shift all our teaching online and just worry about that. But there was never a more important time in our history 
for us to articulate our purpose and engage all our stakeholders with it. What can this attitude help universities respond to the Black Lives Matter movement? It's a really interesting trend that we've seen in the business world towards uh, what we called corporate political activism. And for many, many years, businesses did not want to engage in political issues. And you could see why, right? Because anytime you engage in a political issue, you may actually um, create resentment among people who do not identify with this political issue. So if it's about gay rights, you may get a lot of people very angry because they don't think that gay people should have these rights. And so businesses were shy of taking any political statements and, and many businesses actually had a policy of not using their brand for any political reasons. But the last five years have seen a huge rise in businesses starting to be more active in social and political issues from, you know, in the US, it was the travel ban and now with the Black Lives Matter. And so what we see is businesses saying we can no longer just sit idly and do nothing when things are happening in the world, which we may not agree with. And with the Black Lives Matter, we had businesses talking about it in social media, but some are really trying to make changes within the organization so that the effect of Black Lives Matter will make genuine changes. Similarly, in academia, I haven't heard any universities talk about Black Lives Matter. It, it could be me. I just did not encounter it as much as in the business world. But I think it, again, presents any an incredible opportunity for universities to stand up to what they believe in and say, if we are for social inclusion and equity, we need to, to stand up and speak up and become part of this movement. We're not going to sit on the fence and just wait for this to finish. And this is not just putting a tweet on social media saying, we are all supportive of the Black Lives Matter hashtag uh, BLM but really trying to look at the way we treat people with different backgrounds in our institutions. If the entire executive leadership of this university is made up of white males, then we have a problem. And that's something that we need to look at. If promotion is maybe accidentally, maybe not, prefers people from the mainstream ethnogroups then we have a problem. And we need to address that not just by tweeting about it, but really about looking at ourselves and our policies and um, our actions and how we can change them to become more inclusive. We are all working towards SDG 4, the Sustainable Development Goals, which talk about inclusive and equitable quality education, where everyone has an opportunity to have a lifelong learning. We're currently not doing that so much, uh, especially in some countries like the US. There is very little social mobility for people who come from certain backgrounds to actually attend university and to be able to gain a degree and gain the social mobility needed to come out of poverty and to come out from different social circumstances. And so this is, again, a great opportunity for universities to relook at 
um, ourselves and change what needs to be changed so we can really become part of this movement. In your book, you offer very concrete examples of how universities can transition into a purpose-driven institution. You have a lot of detail, but what are some of the main takeaways that, that universities can pull from this, that, that they can take steps to concretely become purpose-driven? The book offers a six-step framework to how you can implement these ideas and become a more of a purpose-driven university. And those six steps are looking at how you build alliances with all your stakeholders that we spoke about, but especially the students, the um, staff, the um, businesses you work with, etc. How you weave connection between the thousand points of light that you've got within the university it's very much possible that you already have a lot of purpose-driven programs, projects within the university, but as long as everyone works in silos, it's very difficult for the university to become a purpose-driven one. It's important for us to connect the dots and to create these connections that will enable us to leverage on everything that's already happening, encouraging more action so we can become more purpose-driven. We need to rediscover our purpose together with our allies, with our stakeholders through these connections that we've done, and then offer a a more of a holistic implementation where the purpose and the vision are embedded in everything that we do. We really walk the walk and talk the talk. And then we need to lead impact. So we don't just create impact. We're actually leading with our impact, inspiring other universities to do the same. And finally, we create this shared narrative of change and we share it with everyone around us to continue this cycle, build more alliances, connection, purpose, and implementation. In the final chapter of your book, you look to the future of education. After all your work, what does the future look like for universities and are you optimistic? Well, uh, (laughs) to start with the end question, I wrote this book with hope for creating change. So yes, I'm optimistic. Otherwise, I wouldn't write such a book. In general, the future of higher education is looking at things like digitalization. It's happening much faster than universities thought with COVID-19. Employability of students, especially in the era of AIs and um, automation of work, and uh, being more student-centered. So these are the main themes when you look at the future of higher education. And these are all really important But the future of a purpose-driven university implies taking a a more of a holistic approach to all of that, having a strong enough why, an overarching cause for everything else to happen, and shifting away from looking just at profits and ranking and fees to um, looking at impact and uh, change. And I, I really like using this phrase that A lot of universities were obsessed with being the best in the world. Where are we ranked on the Financial Times? Where are we ranked on the higher times of education? But it's now time for us to become the best for the world instead of being the best in the world. It's now time for us to really think about how we can utilize our resources, our people, the amazing intellect, even our physical campuses to create a unique purpose impact. Well, thank you so much for offering this to us. Um, This has been really a fascinating conversation. I think a really important one. So thank you for joining me today to talk about this. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
If you're interested in learning more about Debbie Haskey Leventhal's work on the Purpose Driven University, you can find a link to her new book in the show notes, as well as to her 2019 TED Talk. Also, don't forget to check out the Society and Business Review. Thank you for listening to the Emerald Podcast Series.